Are you looking for hope? Then you're in the right place. If you're not, well, you're still in the right place because we all need hope. Welcome to the Shine and Delight podcast. We hope to navigate life's storms together as we encourage and build up one another to find true saving hope in the only one that can truly satisfy. We can't fix your problems, but we'll definitely point you towards someone who will. Come along. Beep, 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 beep. Hello. Hello. Oh, hey, guys. What's up? Uh, Shining Delight, Andrew Tilton here. Uh, my friend uh, Ro is out, but we have two awesome people on the podcast who I'm excited to have here today. It's been a few minutes, but uh, who's with us today? Introduce yourselves. Uh, Mallory. That's right. Mallory's here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And? Naveel. The Naveel is here, guys. And um, it is a beautiful day outside. It's raining, right? Yes, it is, which means this convo is going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes. I think rain and, and water is just a purification thing. It just makes our conversation better. What's so Anderson? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, the question of the day, Rose not here to ask an icebreaker. It's Christmas time. Um, what is your favorite Christmas song? It's the most beautiful time of the year. I feel the streets with so much air. I should be playing in the winter snow. But I'm going to be under the mistletoe. Ooh, JB, yes. Okay, just under the mistletoe. <laughs> wow, look yeah. at you. I am not going to sing my favorite song. No. I'm just for. I'm going to bless you guys by not doing that. Um, <laughs> but that's awesome. Um, mine is Nat King Cole, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Or No, the Christmas song. That's what it is, yeah. the Christmas song. Mm, I have to say, uh, Little Drummer Boy. One of my all-time favorites. Ba, ba, bum, bum, bum. But what version? Uh, for King and Country. Yes, really want to go so all out. Good. They're just epic. Have uh, you seen it when they perform it live? I've seen it before live. Oh. It's incredible. Um, I think I've seen it perform it. Somebody at a church performing drums, like had a live drum band up there too one time. So cool. Wow. I don't know. I watched the movie as a kid too, Little Drummer Boy, and so I've always loved that. Like he's welcoming Jesus, and he has to go play for Jesus. Like that's what we do with our lives. Yeah. So. But have you seen the meme about it? No, what's the meme? Where it's like, Mary, like picture this. Mary has just got um, Jesus down to sleep. You know, he's a little baby swaddled up. And then a drummer boy's like, you know what this woman needs? A drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That sounds amazing. I understand uh, that with little babies. Oh, man, that'd be the worst. Yeah. <laughs> we are, uh, we're not talking about Christmas today, though, guys. We are actually continuing on in the Beatitude series talking about um, Matthew 5, 7 through 8 which says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy, and blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Mm. Wow. Mercy. What does it mean to be merciful? And what is mercy? Let's talk about the audience. Tell them what that means. That is Mallory's spiritual gift, so I'm going to pass the baton. How did you, did you, did you like, have you, has she given you mercy before, or how did you know that? <laughs> we go way back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the way I interpret mercy, um, you know, since Neville read it out of my mind, I mean, if he wants to say it, he can totally do it. No, um, I think it's when you have um, compassion on people, um, I would say maybe an abundance of empathy, um, so you're able to put yourself in their shoes uh, and you're able to meet them where they're at. That's kind of how I interpret mercy. Yeah. Why would someone need mercy? I think we all do. I mean, we're all fallen. There's always something that you have done that you are not as like proud of. Um, you know, we call it sin, but everyone can agree that there's something that they've done that isn't the best. Um, and so it's just um, not making that person their sin. So mm. we were just talking about divorce. So instead of calling you a divorcee, you're a person who has gone through divorce. You know, that's that's something 
a trait, an external thing, not making you who, what you've done, basically. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was, uh, I watched the new Netflix thing, uh, Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock. Mm. Um, the Sandra's title is Unforgivable. Basically, I won't give too much away, but she is uh, a convicted felon for murder mm. inside of that. And we see the whole storyline has to do with the fact that she gets out of prison 20 years later for good behavior. And the people, the family whose father and husband she murdered haven't forgiven her for it. Mm. And so you see them going towards wanting to get revenge upon her, right? And there, so there's no mercy shown um, inside of that versus actually the opposite. In the news recently, we had a police officer killed here in Texas in line of duty out in Mesquite. And we had his daughter who's like 17 years of age or 18 years of age at his funeral say give mercy towards her dad's killer he's in the hospital she's saying that you know i wanted to be angry at this individual Mm -hmm. but i just couldn't right i wanted to see him pass away in the hospital but when he got better my heart was glad Mm -hmm. and i hope to meet him one day so that i can you know show him forgiveness and love him like god has loved me like god has given me forgiveness Mm -hmm. and so i think about mercy i think about that story where she's like man i've been absolutely wronged and this guy deserves punishment deserves death but yet i'm going to be merciful towards him and I want him to live because of what God has shown me. Yes. Yeah. I think that's probably the most powerful and the most like one-to-one relationship with what Christ did, you know, for us. Like we were the one persecuting him. It was his own people that murdered him and he was willing to go and die so that they would have the possibility of redemption if they decided to repent and to mm. trust in him, you know? And so that's the biggest thing of mercy. He was willing to die for them regardless of how they treated him. One of the <clears throat> one of the best analogies of the gospel that I've had, I think I got this from Ro or someone else, is that imagine a court scenario, right, where this murderer has been convicted for really killing a bunch of people, right, and then the judge who's been called upon to preside over the case um, really assesses all the evidences that have been provided and he determines that this guy is supposed to be executed because he's a terrible person, he's a murderer, right? And then before sending this guy to the guillotine or anything of that sort, then the judge takes off his whatever, you know, whatever they put on, and then he steps in place of this guy's punishment. And he takes, uh, he steps in place of this guy and then he takes his punishment. And I think that's just essentially what, uh, to echo what Mallory said, that's exactly what Christ did for us. He showed us mercy, even, uh, even following an understanding that we were terrible and we had committed that which was terrible. So that's so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's what mercy is. Yeah. Absolutely love that. Um, so how do we demonstrate this? Now, most of us, like I'm going to be honest, majority of us do not have a point in our life where like, man, my father got murdered or X, Y, and Z happened. It does happen. And I'm not, and some of you who are listening have probably had that happen. You or family members died in an unjust way. Um, but for a lot of us, we are just wronged by someone talking behind our back or um, maybe they stole something from us. And how do we as Christians and people who are listening who are not Christians demonstrate mercy towards others? I have come to understand that I don't usually have the, you know, I don't usually, I don't usually know everything that goes into, you know, I, I don't usually have all the reasons why people act a certain way. And because of that, I think it's very much important for me to be empathetic enough to understand that mm. my circumstances might be responsible for my not doing that. And if things were different, had I been in that other person's shoe, maybe I might have done worse. And then I, I think that has been really humbling for me and that just encourages me to, yeah, be That's merciful. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Mary? I'm trying to think of circumstances where I felt like I had to show up in that way. And so I think usually it's 
I show up in what I would see as the most uh, Christ-like way and trying to emulate him is when I realize how much mercy and grace I need for what I've done in my life. And so that like makes a heart posture where I can meet them where they're at, even if I haven't done the same thing. And then showing up with curiosity, like Neville was saying, like, I don't know what it's like to be in that situation, that circumstance, or, or I don't know why they're responding that way. And so instead of trying to respond in kind, um, if they did talk, you know, about me behind my back or whatever the case may be, is to just be curious and ask like, Hey, what's going on? Uh, Mm -hmm. instead of just throwing back at them what they may have thrown at me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt, so to speak, yeah. in that area. Um, first off, but sometimes they actually do mean to hurt, harm you. They actually meant like, oh, I meant to harm you. They don't actually say that, but they mean that overall yeah. in that sense. Mm-hmm. How do you go about forgiving those people? Matthew chapter 9 verse, oh, I love this. <laughs> Ma- Matthew chapter 9 <laughs> verse uh, 10. Well, Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, I do not think... I think it's the sinners who deserve or who, who need the mercy that we need to give as opposed to those who we might consider to be righteous, right? And I think the greatest form of mercy is demonstrated in that after this guy, you know, after, you know, uh, the the people who wanted to go crucify Jesus, they come and then they get him, right? And then one of the disciples slashes, you know, the ear of one of the soldiers, right? And what does Jesus do? These people were out to hurt him, right? But then Jesus just, you know, he does the thing and he patches up his ear and then he's like, yeah, yo, don't do that. And I think that's awesome, yeah. He does the thing where he patches up the ear, <laughs> where he heals somebody. Heals he does someone, that. He yeah. does that thing. He does that thing. I think. Of, I mean, the ultimate example of that a mercy is Jesus on the cross. He yeah. says, "Father, forgive them, for they right? don't. Yeah, if they don't know what they do. Yeah. Right? As he's dying there, he's being killed by these individuals, and he's asking for their forgiveness right then and there. And I think of Stephen as well, one of the first martyr. He says, "Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Like they don't know what they're doing. They don't know who who you are. Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. Be merciful towards them." Mm. And there's that really good story. You have something to say, Mallory? No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the uh, parable of the unforgiving servant. I think it's Matthew. I have it pulled up. Matthew 18, 21. Um, yeah, where he's, um, Jesus, where Peter's asked, how many times does me forgive? You know, and Jesus said, um, seven times 70, you know, or 77. Either way, it's, he means 77 or 490, just infinite times. Peter's like, seven times, right? I got to bro- forgive my brother Andrew only seven times, right? He's like, no, no, infinite number of times. And that's what he's calling us to be merciful towards others. And he gives that parable of the unforgiving servant where a servant um, is going to be thrown into prison, a slave will say, and he begs for his life, begs for forgiveness, and this guy forgives him 10,000 talents of debt, um, which in today's money, if that was gold, it'd be equal to about $26 billion, you know, around that, in the 20 billions of dollars forgiven. That's a rich king, first off. Um, secondly, <laughs> to forgive someone that much debt is just incredible. Um, and then this servant goes home and a fellow servant owes him like 300 days wages. That's it. So we'll say maybe average $30,000, $40,000 this guy owes him. And he won't forgive his fellow servant, has him thrown in prison. So then the king hears about it, right, and goes to this slave who was forgiven 10,000 talents and has him thrown in prison along with his family until his debts will be paid. 
And so that's this parable for what Christ has forgiven us, right? He's forgiven 10,000 talents, an innumerable debt we could never pay. We just work lifetimes and lifetimes. And yet sometimes we will not be merciful or be forgiving towards people around us who have such a small debt towards us. Well, not even that, but like Christ even said, like for how much you forgive, you will be forgiven. So mm. if you don't forgive people, then you're not going to be forgiven because essentially you're not emulating Christ. You're not submitted. You're not realizing how much you need it. And so it's similar to here, the people who are merciful, the blessed are the merciful for they will be given mercy. And so it's similar where there's expectation that what you are willing to give is what you will receive, you know? Mm. Yeah. I have a question on that. Yeah. There are certain instances in the Bible where God was not merciful in my interpretation of that. For example, right, uh, when David does the thing, right, and kills the lady and then he does the thing with the lady and then the lady, she becomes expectant, right? And then she, David for, I, I think, was it prophet, uh, the, the, the prophet, right? He comes to Nathan David. Nathan came to him and believed that. And then he's like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. And then David fasts and prays and all that stuff. But then the son eventually died and the kingdom was eventually taken away from David's whatever. So why does that happen? Well, God is a, a just God. Uh, that's the first and foremost thing there. And so when there is a sin, there is a consequence and something has to be paid for that sin mm-hmm. overall in there. Um, and so that's why ultimately we as Christians say, hey, we, there's, a, there's a consequence for our sins and there's the punishment. Our punishment is ultimately uh, death. And that's where we deserve that and separation from God for eternity. And Jesus f- fulfills that and pays that for us with his death on the cross inside of that. And so if we accept him as our savior, our sins are now covered. That debt has been paid. Now there are still going to be consequences inside of that. So if I end up, say I'm married, if I have an extramarital affair and get someone else pregnant, even though I can be forgiven by my wife, I can be forgiven by that woman, I can be forgiven by um, God, there's still gonna be a consequence inside of this specifically of another child, right? And that child's gonna have a consequence of not having a father there all the time. And there's gonna be a lot of consequences behind it. So in this case, um, God to David and the extramarital affair that we're looking at here, um, he decided that the punishment was going to be, though, that the child would not live inside of that. Now, God blessed him because ultimately through, da- through Bathsheba became Solomon, and through that lineage, David's kingdom was continued on there. Um, and so each time we can't say to the maker, to the creator, hey, how come this time you were merciful and how come this time you were not merciful inside of that? Because I believe in Romans 9, he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will not have mercy on those who will not have mercy. Right. I messed that up a little bit there. But that's what he says in Romans 9. Uh, we're going to say, Mallory? I was just going to say, I think that's probably my favorite um, argument for the cross is that it's an equal act of mercy and justice, mm-hmm. is that it was merciful and that he was the one that died for everyone's sins. But there was still they still had to have a sacrifice because sins had been committed that made us imperfect and separated from God. Mm-hmm. So for us to even be able to be in his presence there had to be a sacrifice. And the sacrifices that the Jewish people had been doing, which were lambs that were unblemished or goats, um, those weren't enough. They had to keep doing it. And so Christ was the perfect sacrifice in the sense that he had never sinned and never done anything wrong, but had lived a human life and died. So it was equally just and merciful, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. I think like God is the only one that can truly do that. Well, yeah. Love it. In, in my theology, um, in, and I hope in your theology as well, especially being pro-life, right? That baby in the womb was a person, 
was a human being as soon as conception happened inside of that with a soul. And so that child will be in heaven in my theology, right? Mm -hmm. So therefore that child will be reunited with David and Bathsheba inside of heaven. So there is mercy shown by God Mm -hmm. saying that with that reunification inside of heaven. Yes. Now we also look at God's mercy. I was thinking about Ahab, who's like one of the worst kings of Israel with the prophet Mm -hmm. Elijah. And Ahab with Jezebel, they literally like end up having that next door neighbor killed so they can obtain the vineyard. He, a little crying baby, he's like, I can't get the vineyard. So his wife Jezebel sends a letter to the people of that town and was like, hey, have two people accuse him unjustly and, have, and then we'll have him killed. So they do that and he gets killed unjustly. Prophet comes to, you know, they come to Jezebel and like, hey, you're going to be killed for this. Ahab, same thing. Ahab repents, like puts on sathclack. So, you know, what did I pronounce again? Sackcloth. Sackcloth. There we go. Sorry, guys. Sometimes your word doesn't work. Sackcloth and ashes, and he mourns and repents. And then God, a preacher, says to Elijah, have you seen my servant Ahab, how he has repented? Yeah. Right? And, and God says, there's still punishment on Ahab's family. But he says, I will not do this during Ahab's lifetime. Mm-hmm. So if Ahab truly 100% repented and had a faith in God at that point, man, are we going to see Ahab in heaven? I would think so at that point, based on how he turned his life around. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the people of Nineveh, you know, when Jonah was sent away to, you know, warn them of something and then yeah. Jonah tries to run away and then God instructs Jonah and God forces Jonah to actually go do the thing. I'm <laughs> speaking so vague. Go do the I thing. Yeah, yeah. Say, like, Every time it's a thing, which is... Uh, These prof- are spoiler alerts, y'all. You have to go in the Bible <laughs> to find out. <laughs> so so uh, God yeah. forces Jonah to go and warn these people. Uh, to turn away from their ways and to turn back to God. And they do just that, you know, and they were so remorseful and they mm-hmm. fasted and then they were in sackcloth and they were just doing the thing. And then God actually forgave them. They repented. Awesome. Yeah. They yeah, repented they're... instantly. <laughs> and, and yet Jonah did not want to show that mercy. I was going to say, he was the, the one lacking the mercy of like everyone. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, he, did, he didn't want to go. That's why he ended up getting, you know, in the sea, storm, he's thrown in the sea inside of a whale, mm-hmm. finally repents, goes, and just like, y'all going to die, repent. That's like basically what he says. It's very like melatonin, boring, not really good message, and yet they all remove, repent because of God's moving in their hearts. And then he goes and sits outside the city and is like... And pouts. Pouts. Why did I have to do this, God? This is so dumb. I don't, I don't want them to live. Like, I want them all to die because they're the worst. And, and God's like... They they repented. God punished him, right? The tree did the thing. Well, he, yeah, he calmed it, like gave yeah. him shade and then was like, psych, the tree's dead now and you have to sit in the sun. <laughs> like, So um, Jonah did not do a good job of showing mercy towards others. Yeah. He did not do a good job of this verse. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say there's a lot of us who don't do a good job of this verse today. Yeah, I agree. That's challenging in my own life. Yeah, true. same. True. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not easy. And I think for me, like I said, I do best when I'm like having to realize how much I need it, then I'm able to accept grace that um, Christ has given me and then be able to give that to others. But if I'm in a place where I haven't been uh, abiding, I haven't been acknowledging where I am broken, um, then I am way lacking mercy. I will be annoyed driving around and like someone cut me off and I'm like, they're the worst. And yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's just like, I notice that it picks up quickly and then I just have no mercy for anyone around me. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to verse 8, where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Love this. Oh, you like this verse better? No, no. I, yeah. Wow, you have favorites. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> Do you want to go fast? What does it mean to you? Um, to be pure. Yeah, I would say that for me, it means to be, blessed are the pure in heart, those who are clean, Mm -hmm. those who have been made clean because of the righteousness of God. And so I think it's those that recognize that, hey, I have a sinful condition Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that I can do on my own to get rid of this. My heart is just disgusting. But through Christ's righteousness on the cross, through his death and resurrection, I can be made pure. 
I can be made clean inside of that. So yeah. I think it's that recognition and then inwardly pursuing God because of that. Yeah. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. Wow, I'm just, okay. All a person's ways, ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and you will establish your plans. So I think it's it's just funny how, you know, like, if I look at myself, I might want to think of my uh, my what, uh, my my heart to be pure, right? Yeah. But then I think in Proverbs chapter six in verse two, we get to see that uh, the purity of my heart, the nature of my heart, is actually weighed by God, and that is why it's very important for me to commit uh, every aspect of my thoughts and all that stuff to surrender all that stuff to the Lord, so He can, you know, create in me a clean heart uh, that I may worship Him, as in Psalms chapter fifty-one, verse 10. fifty-one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's no longer a external conformity, yes. right? It's no longer just looking at the the Old Testament law that you have to do X, Y, and Z, do this. He's saying, I want an inward conformity. And that's what he's always been about. That's why, I mean, David is praying, God, create me a clean heart. That's right after he just sent with that Bathsheba and recognizes and repents of a sin. He's saying, I mean, no, he, he hid his sins. He externally did not follow the law, but then he hid it. So it's like for other people, like, oh, he is righteous. He does he, he does follow the law. That's what other people think because we all miss, may, take missteps when it comes to rules and commandments and whatnot, but other people may not see that. Well, but God well, sees that, and he also sees our heart. So he saw David's hearts, and he sees each one of our hearts, and he's saying, I desire purity in heart mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think this is where people can get mixed up in a workspace faith and a actual faith, which you, nothing that you do is ever going to measure up. It's never going to make you a good, you know, quote-unquote person. Um, it's, it's truly like submitting uh, to Christ and learning from his example, truly following him and loving others in a self-sacrificial way. And so I think an um, often quoted one is James 1, um, James 1, 2, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, um, trials being, you know, sucky circumstances, things that are not what you would, you know, have chosen. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Mm. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. And so that comes from having situations in life that you can't control, that you can't measure up to, Mm. and realizing how much more you need to submit and relinquish that control to God. And he's going to be the one that does the work in you and purifies you. And so pure in heart truly is you giving it all to him. And I Mm. think that's where the connection comes that you will see God because the more that you are pure in heart, that means the more that you are submitting that to God and letting him do his work, which means the more that you're beginning to look like him. And then when you do that, you will see him, you know, Mm. and the intimacy grows as well, because the more you're relying on him, the more that you have that close relationship where you're going to him for Mm. everything. Mm. That's good. So how do we reconcile this with Jeremiah 17? Nine, where it says the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked, right? If Jeremiah says that, how do we how do we maintain this purity in heart? How do we get to that point? See, for me, this has a relationship with Romans seven, where Paul is basically saying, like, my flesh is constantly like a thorn in my side. It keeps um, pulling me away from what I know to be good. Um, you know, it says like I have a desire to do good, but not the ability to carry it out. And so again, it's that juxtaposition of like. I am a creature in the world that is broken and that's in me, but I also have a savior who has purified me and clarified. And so I think that's where the gift of the Holy Spirit really helps clarify things. 
Um, and, and God knows, like, Jesus was here. He is um, a high priest who's able to sympathize with yeah. our weaknesses. And so he knows what it means to be tempted. And so I think for us, he's given us many markers. He has the, the Holy Spirit that he's given us when we accept Christ that um, discerns. And the more that you rely on God, the stronger that voice and, and um, that guidance becomes. But there's also his word, which he will never contradict, mm. and then his people. And so I think for me, that's always the quick check is... If anything that I'm doing um, is not aligned with the Holy Spirit, which, you know, sometimes can be a little hard um, to know because we do have our inner thoughts and our flesh and our deceitful heart. And then there's the word. So if it's if it's aligned with that and then if his people as well um, who've been prayerfully walking alongside you with that, then I would say it's not your heart truly like the flesh side of you. It's it's what God is pushing you towards, you know. So. Mother is preaching. Uh, I'm just going to quote <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray out from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws, uh, all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight to decrease. I will not neglect your word. So I think the first step to really uh, achieving that pure heart really is not anything that we can do, but by continuous, really, by continually, continually meditating on, on God's word and really just understanding it so well that it is inscribed in our hearts, then I think that's yeah, the way to go. To we, do the thing. we sit, we sit with God, and we allow God to transform our hearts. Yes, I love in Ezekiel thirty six where it says, "And I will put a new heart within you, and I will give you a new spirit. And my spirit I'll put within you." Right, and so that's saying like we have this new spirit, we have this new heart mm-hmm. that is the spirit that is opposed to the things of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So that's where what Mao has been talking about there. He's given it to us so that we can walk according to His word and be pure in heart. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I was talking to my buddy Demetrio. Um, a couple weeks back at the porch and he's from, gosh, where is he from? Dang it. I think it's Venezuela. It's Venezuela. And um, he was saying he's had such good faith, grown down there, became a Christian down there because of persecution. Just like, hey, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I don't know where I get money from. Like there's just huge inflation rates down there. So he comes here and he told me, he says, there's a lot of temptations here, mm-hmm. like in America in general. He says, there's a lot of temptations in front of me. He says, how do you guys avoid those? So kind of the question is like, how do we avoid temptations? How do we be pure in heart mm-hmm. in a society like ours today? I mean, I agree. I think um, especially in the U.S. itself, but Western culture, there's such a reliance on our intelligence and our ability and your truth and just like everything that's leading you in a way of relying on yourself and that you can have all the answers or that you can live whatever life you want and no one's going to, you know, judge you for it. Um, I think for me, it's I mean, I think if you are meditating on God's word, if you are really seeking it, um, a part of what the gift of the Holy Spirit is, is grief when you do mm. things that disappoint or pull you away from God's presence. And so sin will do that. Um, and it will make you feel that grief and that loss of being close to him. And so there's that desire that comes in to repent, to turn away from what is wrong. Um, but I think oftentimes in scripture, it says flee from it. Like if the, And I think your heart is going to be the biggest example. If you know that's something you desire and that's not honoring to God, uh, you need to take, remove it from your life. Um, mm. That's what I would say. I'd agree with that because uh, if you continuously 
have yourself in an environment where you are susceptible to temptations of various kinds, then after some time, you know, your defense mechanism might get weakened and before you realize it, you will fall into that temptation uh, as opposed to, you know, purposely striving to flee from it every single time and just identifying that which is tempting to you and uh, by virtue of temptation really that really refers to that which you know that is not beneficial to you but then is pleasing to your flesh right so understanding what that is if it's alcohol then maybe stay away from such environments and talk to your friends ask them to hold you accountable in that area Mm -hmm. and if it's money then maybe you need to reconcile the posture of your heart with the word of god that uh, money you know the love of money not money is the root of all evil uh, i think that's what i'd say in response to that yeah god doesn't want us walking one foot in the world one foot out of with him yeah. he wants us all in right that's why christ says the church in revelation he says you, you know you're lukewarm i'm gonna spit you out what would it be that you're hot or cold and god of course pure in heart is hey i'm on fire for god i'm being purified by him and i'm becoming more like him versus a cold heart is one that's fleeing from god in the opposite direction does not want to be with him well and there's another scripture in romans where paul basically says like now that uh christ has essentially died and cleansed me of skin uh, of sin does that mean that i can now go and sin and it says absolutely not like far be it from me then yeah, I continue, yeah yeah and so it's um it's there there is an aspect of that of like respecting the gift you've been given you now have a new creation a new flesh a new heart um that he's given you and so why would you want to sully that with what you already know does not give you life and i saw this i i don't i think mallory posted it on instagram or something instagram, like that. Yeah, it's a good place to be until jesus is enough nothing else will be and i thought that was cool yeah. So until you are at a place where Jesus is enough for you, then nothing else will be enough. So you'll keep striving for more. Mm-hmm. And I think you know best where your weaknesses are and inviting other people into that is the best way to be held accountable because your heart is deceitful mm-hmm. and it will desire what is not good for it. And so, and you will have weak moments. And so just having people around you who can call you higher because yeah there's still mercy and grace when it comes to us slipping um but that's not what god's best is for us um but i would also say that um oh my gosh the thought just like fell out of the back of my head well she's thinking I was, my big point was to be community too like how do you maintain that purity in heart it's getting a good solid group of community around you mm-hmm. who are believers like-minded who are going to call you out mm-hmm. as, as iron sharpens iron not just a casual like oh let's hang out let's have small group let's just talk and eat coffee and donuts and yada 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 it's saying let's do life let's be on mission and talk to people about Jesus and serve people mm-hmm. and at the same time as we're doing that let's see where we struggle mm-hmm. and challenge each other in that yeah. and be challengers um, so I, I remembered what it That's is. Good. So good, good, good. <laughs> perfect. It works out. Um, so essentially a, another trick with that though, is knowing that what your, um, pit basically, what your ditch is, is not going to be the same as another person. So if you see another Christian who's able to go into a bar and share the gospel with people, likely alcohol is not their issue. Um, yeah. or, or, you know, maybe by God's grace, they've gotten far enough along where it's no longer their ditch. And so, you cannot compare like, hey, this person's able to go there. That means I should be. If that's something that you struggle with, there's mercy and there's grace, but also don't, like that's where the fleeing comes in, where you need to make sure there's distance there and acknowledge that each person has their own giftings and has their own um, their own ditches, honestly. And so yeah. don't think just because one person's doing it that you, you should be okay if you know that's something you struggle with. Mm. That's true, yeah. Love that. So what does the last part of that verse mean? They shall see God. 
I mean, I already talked on this, so this is y'all's turn. Did you? You talked on this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I say the more that you are pure in heart, the more that you reflect Christ. And so you are understanding that you are looking like mm-hmm. God, but you're also growing that intimacy when you seek him. So you will see him in the sense that he is with you. So you're seeing him in your life, changing you, transforming you, and you becoming more like him? And also seeing him in the lives of those with, to whom you serve mercy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, tying it back there. I like that. And it could also, on a third scale, mean you will see God in the future, like you get to be with him in heaven for oh, eternity for sure. and, and gaze in his presence. But I, what were you going to say, Mallory? I, I was just going to say, I mean, jumping off of what Neville said, when you serve mercy to people, like uh, in, in scripture, it says that everyone are image bearers of Christ because we are made in his image so that they may not be his children because they have not chosen to to accept the inheritance they've been given, but they're still made in his image. So everyone is an image bearer of God. And so, yeah, I would say once you get a heart like his and have that mercy and grace to give to others, you will realize like you are seeing him and the people around you. Hmm. So good. Yeah. Maybe any final closing thoughts? Uh, Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that. Isn't that so good that that's we awesome. get to do that? We get to approach him, his throne. Um, and I think that's part of it in Revelation 2 and 3. When he's talking to churches, he says, to the one who conquers, the one who conquers. But to the one who conquers, I will give, I will write on them the name of God and I'll write on them the name of his city and I'll write on them my name. And I think about that as once you become a Christian, like you are now belong to him entirely, 100% inside of that. And he invites us to come as we are. And so he invites us to come as we are no matter what. And you belong to him so you can approach his throne with confidence to receive that mercy, to have him purify you when you can't do it. Yeah. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's all I got for today, guys. If you have any questions about this, send us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. Adios. Muchachos. It's great talking to y'all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you were encouraged and inspired to turn to the only one who can and will satisfy you. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them out. Feel free to reach us on any social media platform at Shine and Delight. You can also shoot us an email at shineanddelight at outlook.com. Until next time, be kind, love all, share your shine.